Last week we kicked off this series and um, hopefully it was challenging to you in some way and I think today will be equally as challenging because one of the things that we talked about on last week was the fact that all of us, everyone who's ever been born, is born with this father-shaped hole in their life. Uh, it's the way God created us. It's the way God designed us. And we're meant to have that hole filled by our biological fathers. That's God's design. God designed family. Uh, but we also know that things break down and sometimes uh, things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And because of some things that are out of our control, we're left with this void in our lives. And it can be very detrimental to us. As a matter of fact, what we kind of learned last week was this. That as long as you are living with a father-shaped hole, you will always be living with the impact of it. Because it does impact us. And it keeps us from being and becoming and fulfilling all that God created and purposed for us to do to be who he designed us uh, to be. So we need to find a way to fill that hole. And if we can't have that hole filled by our biological fathers, then we need to find a father figure to step in and help fill that in our lives. Sometimes it's a friend, an acquaintance, a co-worker, a mentor, a coach, but we need that filled. And when that hole is finally filled, what we find is that it can change the trajectory of someone's life. As a matter of fact, I was reminded recently of an interview I heard with Demarius Thomas. He was a former NFL wide receiver. He played for the Denver Broncos and some other teams. Um, and uh, he sadly died back in December of 2021 uh, unexpectedly from a seizure. But when he was 11 years old, he was interviewed, when he was 11 years old, uh, his mother was incarcerated. Prior to that, his grandmother and stepfather were also put in prison. And his biological father was in the military and, and not uh, in the picture at all. And so basically at 11 years old, he was orphaned and fatherless and left to kind of raise himself. And in the interview, they said, uh, Demarius, how did you get out of that? He said, well, let me first say something. He said, as an athlete, what we often talk about and what guys often talk about is brotherhood, by having this bond. What we don't talk a lot about is love. He said, but what I found is that what a child needs more than anything is love. And I found that love, I found that father's love from so many different people who stepped in, from pastors and deacons, from uncles, from family members, uh, extended family, even from fathers of my friends who would step in, from coaches who would step into that role. He said, I'm convinced that when a child has that kind of love, it's the only way he can make it out. And so having that father figure changed the trajectory of his life. And it changed, uh, it's changed so many people. So this morning, I want to look at how it is played out beautifully in the life of uh, two men, Paul and Timothy. Now, Paul is an early follower of Jesus, one of the earliest followers. He began to follow Jesus shortly after his death and resurrection. He uh, has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and Jesus appoints him to be an apostle to go and to establish churches, to strengthen churches. So he travels all over that region, helping, uh, that region, helping them to, uh, to answer questions, to understand what it means to live for God, to deal with issues and problems that were arising in the early church. And he would go on these journeys, and we call them Paul's missionary journeys. And on one of those trips, he encounters this young man named Timothy. And here's how it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 1. Paul first went to Derbe and then Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. 
So there's a lot in that one little verse, and I just want to unpack it for a minute because we can kind of just read that and gloss over it, but it's telling us some significant things about Timothy. First of all, he is a believer. He's a disciple. When it says a young disciple, it means he's a follower of Jesus. And he's young. We don't know exactly how young, but he's probably in his teen years. Uh, we know that uh, his mom is a Jewish believer, a Jewish follower of Jesus, but his father is not. His father is simply called Greek. So what does that tell us? It tells us, first of all, there was a cultural divide between Timothy and his father, because Timothy is half Jewish, but his father's Greek, his mother's Jewish. So he wasn't a practicing Jew because the father would decide what type of religious experience the son would have. And, and indeed, we learn in the ensuing passages that he was never circumcised. So he is half Jewish, uncircumcised, which means he would be considered an apostate Jew. And so there's a disconnect there between, Paul, uh, between Timothy and his father. There's a cultural disconnect. There's also a spiritual disconnect. It says Timothy is a follower, a believer. It says Timothy's mom is a believer, but his dad is simply listed as Greek, not a Greek believer. So his dad was probably pagan. And indeed, later on in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. And he says, I'm reminded of the faith that first was in your grandmother, Lois, and also in your mother, Eunice, and I now see evident in your life. But he doesn't mention his father at all. So whatever role Timothy's father played in his life, there was a, a disconnect culturally, there was a disconnect spiritually. But then there's something else that's very interesting. When we read, it says, his father was a Greek. The tense of that verb was in the original language carries with it the idea that he is likely deceased. So whatever his father was to him, we know that he was a Greek pagan and he's possibly dead. And that would leave in Timothy's life. You can imagine the father shaped hole that that left in his life. And into that stumbles Paul. And Paul encounters Timothy, and he hears his story, and he sees his life, and, he's, and he says, there's something about him that my heart goes out to. I want to help him. And this is what it says in the next verse. It says, Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Paul says, I want to kind of take you under my wing and help you because I see so much potential in you. What Paul didn't know then and what Timothy didn't know then was the depth that the relationship would grow, that the, the way it would develop, that it would take on this father figure role in Timothy's life because that's how father figures work. A father figure becomes a father figure over time. You don't just snap your fingers and say, now that's a father figure. It takes time, it takes relationship, it takes investment, it takes proximity, it takes connection, it takes communicating, it takes uh, just day in and day out, over and over, reaffirming and affirming who that person is to you. It can start as a coach, it can start as a, a co-worker, it can start as a neighbor, an uncle, a grandpa, but over time, you look back and say, this relationship has deepened. You're not just someone I work with. You become a father in my life. And we see that in Paul and Timothy's life. So Paul is later uh, writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, they're struggling with some things. And this is what he says to them. He says, I have sent to you, Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. He's saying, you're wrestling with some things. I can't be there. 
but I'm sending Timothy, and Timothy carries my heart. He is my son. He doesn't say he's like a son. He says, my son, whom I love. The depth of that relationship has grown. And Paul makes mention of that in other letters as well. As a matter of fact, there's one that he writes to Timothy. I mentioned it earlier, 2 Timothy. But here he's writing to Timothy. And this is what he says at the introduction of that letter. He says, I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. That is the heart of a father figure who pours into someone who has a father-shaped hole in their life. And over time, it becomes this beautiful thing where all of a sudden, Timothy's life is completely changed. The whole trajectory of his life is different. And that's the way God intended for it to play out. So why don't we see that happening more often? Why did it work in Paul and Timothy's relationship? Why did people step in into Demarius Thomas's life but yet so often those holes go unfilled. So what I want to do today is kind of uh, start this conversation, but we're going to finish it next week. Because what I want to do this morning is kind of say, why do these holes exist? Why aren't they being met? And then next week, we're going to look at what the Bible talks uh, and tells us and, and, and instructs us on how to fill those holes. What's the best way to do that? Because God wants those holes in our lives to be filled so that you can accomplish all that he's planned and purposed for your life. So this morning, we're going to look at three reasons why these holes go unfilled in people's lives. Now, I just want to warn you, some of these things um, are hard, they're heavy, they're deep. They may stir up some emotions in you. They may feel like they challenge you in some ways. It may be something that, that really um, is hard to hear. But we grow when we're challenged. We grow when we realize there are things that we are called to do that we are not doing. So what's, what's one of the reasons why many holes go unfilled? Here's the first reason. Many men are not being the kind of man who could be a father figure. What does that mean? It means you're a guy. You may have children, but you're really not being a father to your children. You're a grown adult. You don't have children, and you're not being a father figure in anyone's life. You're kind of just living for yourself. What that means is you have stopped growing spiritually. You are, if I could say the word, immature. And you say, that's not really nice, pastor. Well, I'm sorry. Um, but the Bible instructs us over and over again to grow, to be changed day by day, more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. And specifically as men, we're called to grow, to become sacrificial, to lay down our lives for others, to invest in them, to reach out to them, to, to encourage them, to provide protection and support for others so that they can become all that God's called them to be. And yet so often we refuse to do that. We're living immature lives. We're stuck in our growth. So I mentioned earlier that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth and he said, I've sent Timothy to you. He's my, he's my dear son. And he's going to remind you of me because I used to have immature things in my life, but I've grown. And I took Timothy under my wing and he was young and he was immature. But now look, he's grown and he's an example to you of what a man is supposed to be. And so he writes in 1 Corinthians later on, he says, now listen, you need to understand that some of you aren't growing up. And I know what that's like because I was there. This is what he says. 
He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. The implication is that some of you are refusing to put aside childhood. You won't step into adulthood. You won't step into fatherhood. You won't step into manhood. You want to be a child. And the reason that so many people are out there with these father-sized holes in their life is because men refuse to grow up. And at some point, you have to say, I'm going to put aside the childishness. I'm going to step up and step into those roles. Now, please hear me. This isn't meant to criticize. It's not meant to condemn. It's meant to challenge us. Because we have to, at some point, say, what is it that God has called me to do? See, being a father figure in someone's life isn't complicated. But that doesn't make it easy. It takes hard work. It takes consistency. It takes intentionality. So what I want to do is I want to look at a verse, and we touched on it last week, but I want to dive into it just a little bit more about what it means, what it looks like to be a father figure in someone's life. And so we see this verse in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, This is from the message paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. He says, with each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, and showing you step by step how to live well before God. So what is that telling us? It's saying that a father's responsibility, a father figure. Now, again, when I use the word, the the phrase father, father figure, I'm using them interchangeably. So whether it's your actual children, that you need to step up and step into that role, or whether it is a father figure. What does a father do? A father holds their child's hand. Now, that can be physically, it could be literal, right? When you're walking through the parking lot and you hold their hand, when you're walking through the state fair, you're holding their hand, you're just, you're just holding their hand. What are you doing? You're leading them. You're guiding them. You're making sure they end up where they're supposed to be. You're telling them that you're not alone, that I'm with you, that I'm keeping you safe. We're walking down a busy highway. I want to make sure that you're protected and that you're safe. That's what a father does. A father reaches out and says, you're not alone. I'm here with you. I know life is hard. I know it's difficult, but we're going to get through this together. You're not alone. I will never leave you, God says, or forsake you. And God is a father to the fatherless, and we are supposed to have that same heart. So a father leads by the hand. And what's the next thing? It says a father whispers encouragement, which is the exact opposite of shouting uh, criticism. And a lot of us are good at shouting criticism. You go to a kid's youth baseball game or football game or any kind of athletic endeavor, and you got parents, moms too. I'm not just going to condemn the dads because mom, I've been at some of your, man, some moms got lungs. Um, (laughs) But man, dad's just berating their kids. Why didn't you catch that? You stink. You're terrible. I I trolled you better than that. Why did you swing at that pitch? Why didn't you make the tackle? Oh, you're blowing the whole game. Yelling and screaming. Making a a scene instead of whispering encouragement. Listen, if if you're a coach, one of the things, right, if you're coaching, let's say you're coaching baseball or whatever sport, it doesn't matter, and and, and you see a kid mess up. You're you're hitting ground balls and they're playing the infield and they, they mess it up. Watch their body language. That kid throws their mitt, throws their hat. They're out of the game. They've already lost focus. A good coach says, no, no, pick up the glove. Put the hat on. I'm going to hit you another one. They muff it up. No, no, keep your eyes up. We're going to hit you another one. I'm going to hit you. And you keep hitting them. 
until that kid gets it, doesn't get the error, picks it up clean, makes a good throw to first. Why? Because you're coaching them. You're saying, I see the potential in you. You can do this. Stay focused. Keep at it. You whisper encouragement. You don't scream condemnation. You're better than that. What's the matter with you? Do better. You encourage them. You build them up. It's why Paul later on writes this to the church at Ephesus. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Lead them, guide them, encourage them. You can do this. I'm going to help you. You're not alone. I see the potential in you. you, you are, you're better than that. And I want to help you become all that God has purposed. Don't settle for any less than what God has for you. That's what a father does. And then a father, it says, he shows them how to live well before God. A father sets an example, a spiritual example. This is how you're your spiritual role model. You're saying, listen, this is what it means to live for the Lord. This is what it means to live a sacrificial life. This is what it means to put the needs of others before the needs of yourself. This is what it means to lay down your life for a friend. Now, how do we teach our kids? Through words and through actions. And they have to be consistent. Kids learn by what they see and what they hear. So if your words aren't consistent with your actions, then your words are going to be hollow. You could tell them the Bible says, and this is what God wants for you, and then you're off living some kind of crazy life. And they're going to say, doesn't mean anything. We need to be consistent. So being a father is not complicated. Being a father figure isn't complicated, but it's not easy because it requires consistency. The problem is there are so many people who have had a father hole in their heart. And what it requires is for men to step up to step into that role, to say, I'm ready to put away the childishness, the immaturity, and to become who God's asked me to be so that I could fill that hole in someone's life so they can become all that God wants them to be. So why are there so many father holes that aren't being filled? Because men aren't willing to step up and become the men that they're supposed to be. There's another reason too. Here's the second reason. Many men do not have a heart for the fatherless. Or they're simply oblivious to it. They're, they're, they're ambivalent. They don't even realize the, 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 the amount of fatherlessness that exists. But it's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. I read this verse last week, but it bears repeating. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their distress. If you, love the, if you love God, if you say, I love the Lord with all my heart, I want to live for him, you want to use the word religion or not, I don't care, but it's in the Bible. If you, this, is, this is what I hold to. This is my religious beliefs. Then God says you better care for the fatherless. Do you know in America today, there are over 11 million single-parent homes? 11 million. And about 80% of those single-parent homes are being led by moms. That means eight out of every 10 homes that are single-parent our single parent mom led. So that means there's roughly 8.8 million single parent mom homes in America. That means there are millions and millions of boys and girls who for whatever reason are absent of a father. 
Not all of them, but many of them. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to single mom homes, I just want to say something. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the women that find themselves as single moms had no intention of being a single mom. What they didn't, they, some, some do. They just, I want to have a child. And that's, you know, that's their choice. But most of the time, it's not their choice. Most of the time, it's something that happens to them and it forces the issue. The, uh, a man, a husband abandons them, walks out, asks for a divorce, impregnates the woman and doesn't have anything to do with the woman, just leaves her high and dry. Um, it's abusive. It's got drug issues, whatever. And for safety, the woman has to step out of that and she's left to parent alone. And I believe God's heart breaks for single moms. I believe his heart is for single moms. I believe we see that in the Bible. And you say, well, where do you see that in the Bible? I believe you could see it in the life of Jesus. Because we often forget that Mary was a single mom, right? We all say, or maybe not we all say, but many people say life begins at conception. So if life begins at conception, Mary wasn't married when she conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus. She was a single mom, but God's heart was for her. And so he brought supernaturally into her life, Joseph, who would be a husband to her and a father figure for Jesus because God knew that he needed a father figure in his life even though he had a perfect relationship with his heavenly father. God said, you need that father figure. So God's heart is for single moms. And indeed, then what do we see at the end of Jesus' life? We, we presume that Joseph died some point before Jesus was crucified because after about the age of 12 or so, we don't hear anything about Joseph. So most Bible scholars believe Joseph died in Jesus' late teens or early to mid-20s. And so on the cross, when Jesus is dying, one of the last things he says, he looks down, hanging on the cross to one of his best friends, a guy named John, and he says, John, listen to me. I I have had the responsibility as the oldest son to care for my mom, but I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. I am about to breathe my last breath. I need you to take care of her. He said, John, behold, your mother. I need you. And from that day forward, John treated her as if she were his own mother. There is a, the God's heart beats and breaks and cares for single moms. The question is, these yours? Right? We just read pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for the fatherless and to visit the widows, single moms in their time of distress. So God's heart beats for single moms. And God's heart beats for those who are being raised in fatherless situations. So I want to read for you an article or a part of an article that a woman wrote as a single mom. She says, you think being a single mom is tough? It is, but it's not nearly as hard as realizing when you're a child of about four years old that your father doesn't want to see you. You think being a single mom is hard? It's not as hard as being a little boy and looking around and seeing only women and knowing that you're different somehow, but you have nothing I'm sorry, but you have no one like you to talk about it with. Being a single mom is hard, but it's not nearly as hard as hearing, sorry, son, we can't buy new school clothes this year because the child support didn't come in again. Being a single mom is hard, but it's not as hard as being excited because dad's coming to take me fishing for the first time in my life. And then watching mom get angrier and sadder as the minutes pass by and dad doesn't show It's not nearly as hard as pretending that you didn't really want to go fishing anyway, 
and that you didn't really care and that you're not going to cry that night when mom puts you to bed. It's not nearly as hard as letting mom sleep in on Saturday mornings because you know she was working a second job at night while you're left to eat breakfast and play all by yourself. Being a single mom is hard, but it's not nearly as hard as being sick and trying to pretend you're not because you know mom can't afford to miss time off of work to care for you. See, those kind of situations for those kind of children, they're not going to ever get better until men say, I am going to step in. I am going to have a father's heart. I am going to begin to fill that role in someone's life. And until we say, not only am I going to step up and become the kind of man who can be a father figure, but I am going to have a heart for the fatherless. Because there are adults who have that father hole in their life just like Timothy did. And we need Pauls to step in and say, I want to help you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to be that man that you need so that you can become all that God has for you. That is what we're called to do. But it doesn't get better until we step up. Now, I just want to say a couple last things to single moms specifically, but just single parents in general. First of all, to single parents in general. If you have uh, that situation in your life through divorce, maybe you were never married, but you have a child with, a, with a, another parent, but you're not married. Everything that you can do, do everything you can do to not uh, bring division between that child and the other parent. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know sometimes the wound goes... So, now listen, I'm not talking about uh, extreme circumstances, abuse and safety and those kind of things. But outside of that, absent of that, don't uh, allow your pain to somehow taint that child's relationship with the other parent. It's, it's easy to want to have them take sides. Don't do that. Just as best as you can. Allow that. To, they, they will grow and they will mature and they will get to the point where they'll make their own dis determination and decision about who that other parent is and the role they want them to play in their life. But all you do is add to the emotional hurt and toil and torment of that child by trying to bring that division. So sacrifice for your child. Now, to sp single moms specifically. Listen, the temptation is I'm a single mom, so I have to be both mom and dad. And I just want to caution you. I understand there are some aspects that you have to take on the responsibility of a father. But try not to fill that role because you can't. You weren't designed to. See, what you have to do is this. You have to be the best mother you can be rather than trying to be a mother and a father. Don't try and be a father. Try and be the best mom you can be because that's what God, who God created you to be. You say, but my son, my daughter, they need a father. Right. And hopefully God will bring a father figure in. But let me just say a word to the men here that maybe uh, because of divorce or you were never married, but you have a child out there. Listen, just because you're not married gives you no right to be out of that child's life. If you truly love that child, if you truly care about them, be there. I know it's, there's a natural idea that if I'm distant from them geographically, if I don't have custody, to just want to bow out of the situation. Don't do that. You must stay connected. 
If you love that child, be there for them. Be at the baseball games. Be at the recitals. Be at the concerts. Be at the birthday parties. Be at the big events and be at the small events. Anytime you have a weekend visit, anytime you have time scheduled, be there. Don't send the signal that you don't matter to me. Let them know that their priority in your life, that they matter to you, who they are, and what they're doing is important to you. Be there as much as you can. If there's a need, help meet that need. Do everything you can to be in their life. Sadly, that's not always, it's not often the case when it comes to a single mom. The dad is nowhere to be found. And that's where we need men who will step up and say, I will have a heart for the fatherless. God is a father to the fatherless, and that's what he asks me to do. So if you don't have a heart for the fatherless, here's my challenge to you. This week, ask yourself why. What's, what is it in me that keeps me from having a heart and a compassion for those who don't have a father? Because it's what God asks of us. So why are there so many father holes out there? One is because a lot of men refuse to become the men that they're called to be. The second reason is many men are unaware of the amount of fatherless around them, or they don't have a heart for the fatherless. Now, the third one is going to touch a little bit more um, deep because this isn't just for the men. This is for all of us. And this one is going to cause you to ask some questions and maybe look yourself in the mirror and say, is this me? Because there's another reason why so many people have this father hole in their life, and here it is. Many people fail to appreciate the father they have. See, we can get so caught up in our hurts, our wounds, our hopes, our expectations, we, our wants, our desires, our needs, that we set up our fathers to fail. We create a framework in which no one can measure up. All they could ever do is disappoint us and let us down. And so what happens is our father hole in our heart, in our life, becomes a self-inflicted wound because we set our fathers up to fail. And at some point we have to say, now listen, I'm not talking about times of gross abuse, physical Sexual. I'm not talking about abandonment. I'm, talk I'm not talking about dads who just ridiculed you and, and beat you down. I'm talking about uh, dads who tried their best. At some point, we have to stop playing the victim. And we have to learn how to extend grace to our fathers. Because I believe that if we would extend grace to our fathers, a lot of us would realize that we actually have a father who is worthy of being a father figure in our life. He just wasn't the kind of father that we wanted. But it doesn't mean that he was a bad father. And listen, these aren't the things we typically talk about at church. This is the, listen, it's the kind of stuff I hear because I do pastoral counseling. Pastor Andy hears this stuff. But a lot of times in church circles, we just kind of dance around it. But I'm telling you, if we will learn to be gracious, to extend grace, we all want grace. If we'll learn to be gracious to our earthly fathers, we may realize we actually have a dad who is loving and serving us the best he knows how. It's why Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Learn to honor your father. Listen, I have had conversations with people, and, they've, and I've just listened. I've learned to listen. I just listen. They're telling me their dad's story, their dad's stuff, the things that happened growing up. And 
I'll listen, and then they're done, and I'll say, listen, I, first of all, I appreciate you sharing. I, I really do. And I am sorry for your experiences. But I need to just tell you something. You have no idea what a bad dad is. What you're doing borders more on whining than processing wounds. Because you have a whole lot more to be appreciative of than you realize. Because I could line up countless men and women who would give anything to have had the kind of dad you had growing up. But instead, all we do is look at what my dad wasn't, what he didn't do, who he wasn't, instead of saying, this is who he was, and this is what he did do. And if that's you, if you find yourself carrying an unforgiving and an unmerciful spirit towards your father, because all you could do is point out the ways in which he let you down, then you might need to do some work in your own life. You may need to get some counseling. You may need to work through some things. Why do I feel this way towards my dad? Because when you peel back the layers, you realize he wasn't this terrible person. Every father that I know is trying their best. I'm not saying every father tries their best. Every father I know is trying their best. And we all fall short because every father makes mistakes. No father here on earth, no earthly father is perfect. We're all touched by sin. We all wrestle with insecurity. We're all frail and weak and make mistakes and look back and say, I wish I could have done some things different. So I want to share with you something I wrote. I actually wrote this for my kids back at Christmas time. I intended to share it with them then and the way holidays go, it didn't work out, but I shared it with them recently, and I just want to read a portion of what I wrote to them to you. It says, I have so loved and enjoyed the privilege of being your father. I was thinking the other night about all the time that we've had together, the memories we've made, and I thought, I wish I could do it again. Why? First of all, because I love being a dad. And second, because there is so much I would want to do so much better. I have failed you in so many ways, but love covers a multitude of sins, failures, mistakes, and even regrets. When I look at each of you as my children, all I see is God's grace. I'm sorry if I wasn't always the best dad, but I always tried to be the best dad I could be. No father is perfect. Dads need grace just like all of us. And in that grace, you may see that you had something far better than you ever realized. You, in that grace, you may realize you can have something. You have someone who can step in and fill that father hole that you have created that doesn't need to be there. So what does all this mean? It means this. Every father-shaped hole can be filled by someone Every father-shaped hole can be filled by someone. It may be filled by that man who finally steps up to become the man that God wants him to be so he could be that father figure in someone else's life, in his own children's life. It may be that man who finally says, I'm going to have a heart for the fatherless, and I'm going to reach out to that kid that lives down the street, to that little girl next door, to that single mom who needs help. And it may be because you finally realize God actually gave you a pretty good dad. And you simply need to step back and apply some grace. Just because he wasn't the dad you wanted doesn't mean he was a bad father. So that's where we're going to end this morning. And there's a lot there. And I hope you take some time this week and process through it and exercise your heart and say, God, where am I 
in this process. And we're going to pick this up next week. And we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches us on where the best place is to find those father figures, to finally fill once and for all that father hole in our lives. Because God desperately wants that for you and for everyone. But for now, let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And God, I ask that you would begin to stir some things in our hearts. If we need to change, help us to change, not just for a moment, not just for the afternoon, but God, in a deep way. If we need to put aside some childish things, the anger and the outburst and the justification of why didn't you do it my way? And I'm justified in being angry and yelling and screaming and making a scene. God, would we finally grow up into the men that you've called us to be, that we put away the childishness, the selfishness, and the self-centeredness. God, if we need a heart for the fatherless, then God, I pray that you would begin to pour that into us by your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to those around us who need a father, a father figure, someone to speak into their lives. And God, for those of us who simply can't see past our own disappointments in our fathers because we created unrealistic expectations. God, would you pour grace upon grace into our lives so that we could extend that same grace to our dads. And above all else, God, I pray that when it's all said and done, we would realize we have the perfect Father in you, our Heavenly Father, in whom there is no shadow of turning. You are consistent. You are loving. You are gracious. You are kind. You are the perfect example of what a father should be. And when it's all said and done, God, help us run to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to end with a couple songs that uh, just celebrate who God is as a father in our lives. And I want to invite you. We're going to have prayer teams up here. And if you'd like prayer, maybe we talked about something this morning. Has it stirred some stuff in your life? And you say, I need some prayer about some things. We're going to have prayer teams up here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe you need prayer about something else. Just something, not anything to do with what we talked about this morning, a sickness, financial need, something going on in a relationship, in your family, just a struggle. You're just trying to understand God's plan and purpose for your life. Maybe you showed up here this morning and you said, I'm going to give God one last chance. Well, don't leave until you just come and spend some time with him. Let these people pray with you and allow God to move in your life. So if you'd like prayer this morning during any of these songs, please come forward. If you're joining us online, we have prayer partners that would love to pray with you online. Just click the pray button in the chat and someone will pray with you as well. Uh, Let's just worship God together and please come for prayer.